everybody welcome back to the proletariat lariat <laughs> podcast um i cracked zach up right out of the gate we've made it to a dozen we made a dozen episodes we put them in a pink box and we're delivering them to you today we're going to talk about harm reduction and we're going to talk about uh what we liked and kind of wished was better and dynamite we're going to talk about the national network abortion of abortion funds that we've been trying to uh, help raise money for that is super timely all of a sudden um, has always been but it's more in the public eye right now as the Supreme Court gets ready to act a fucking fool so in the spirit of harm reduction we'll be giving some shout outs uh, let's go around the ring and see how the participants are doing uh this uh go ahead uh what's up with you maria hey uh sorry what did you do on may day we were gonna talk go ahead that's right yeah um yeah i've been good actually this was the first year i didn't really do anything for may day in about like a decade i think which was kind of nice and um freeing in its own way uh it's also the first year i've actually been in a union so that's kind of like a weird timing that both things happened at the same time but it was nice to take the year off and kind of uh you know just organize with people locally and have meetings and stuff to make plans rather than go out and try to pull off the whole thing how have you been feeling zach i'm good i had a wonderful uh mayday eat on mayday it was a culmination of weeks of me organizing, along with food not, a member from Food Not Bombs, like a Mayday picnic. It was a Pittsburgh's a Union Town Mayday picnic because we've the Pittsburgh DSA for a while has done their own one, but this year I was like, we need to like make this less of a Pittsburgh DSA insular picnic and try to reach out for other groups. It was a fun time. We had to fight. The weather was could have been better and it was also during the pittsburgh marathon so some people were encircled besieged by a marathon so they couldn't make it unfortunately but uh those who did we had a good time there was a uh, some wobblies were there it was nice catching up with some of the pittsburgh wobblies uh the restaurant workers aid group was good they brought four sheet cakes which was three sheet cakes yeah, they Sorry. brought, they, yeah, it was, uh, my coworkers were happy that day when I brought one full sheet cake <laughs> to work. Um, well, it's like some good music from our labor choir, the Pittsburgh Labor Choir. Um, some people brought jello shots. There was a keg. Uh, SRA was there. It was, it was a really good time. I was really happy how it went. Like, I wish the bathrooms worked. That was the uh, negative. I like that. Yeah, I know. I, I, I buried the lead there. Um, I, was I was like that you had Jello shots, and SRA was like the next group. It was like Jello shots and rifles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, the. Yeah, we'll probably try getting a partial refund from the city because they, they prom like one of the things they have to promise when you get you want to buy a shelter from is the bathrooms should work. They did not work. There was a hose in there. I guess that was their solution. <laughs> um, yeah, it rained while we're grilling, and the only <laughs> negative I could think was me uh, when we're grilling. We're just starting up the grill, so the smoke's coming up. We don't have any meat on. I look down, I open my mouth, and just like the charcoal smoke goes in my mouth <laughs> like, for two hours. My throat was just killing me. Oh, it was no. so bad. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I 
loved it every once. Like it was like so nice seeing people and hanging out with comrades. And once like once the storm like rain broke, it became beautiful and it was such a nice time. So DQ, how are, how was your May Day? Got a little smoke on the water. Deep purple. Uh thank you, you guys. That sounds really fun, Zach. Um I heard too that they reissued that Wobblies movie. There's like a doc that was made in 79 or something that I think was just like remastered or just reissued. Um, it's really good. It's really good too. I've seen. Um, yeah. Hi everyone. This is DQ. I, this, this Mayday and Street Watch, um, we got asked to participate with a, a march in Boyle Heights. It's like on the east side of LA for people who aren't here um traditionally like latinx um, neighborhood and one of our members in street watch gustavo was asked to speak so we went on this really cool march through boyle heights on like a really nice day um oh i meant to say this group who hosted is called centro uh cso um so check them out if we do like links we should probably link them up they had a really cool um, like dais, I guess, on the back of this truck with some people from um, Palestinian Solidarity Group. Um, a really good focus on like education and like, um, you know, a lot of teacher presence and like um, just had like all this like fire messaging. And then our comrade Gustavo killed it on this little stage in Mariachi Plaza over in Boyle Heights. It was like really. It's like this cool moment because he's such like a sweetheart and a powerhouse. Um, but yeah, we, we did some other stuff, but that was like a, a really like big part of the day and like um, kind of like linking up with this group. This week, in the spirit of harm reduction, though, we have a run in. Someone's running into the ring. Um, Joanna from Los <laughs> Angeles. How are you? What'd you do on May Day? what's up everyone um thanks so much for having me uh what did i do on may day uh it was actually quite busy um i was down in skid row uh with our friends at los angeles community action network um there is a really incredible group of women um who are members of a downtown women's action coalition um and they put together this really beautiful uh, wellness retreat, basically kind of an all day thing with like everything from like, you know, like wardrobe and uh, like beauty things like hairdressing and nails and massage to like STI testing. Um, I think there was vaccines. Um, and like music and food and just like a really, really beautiful, wonderful um, space uh, for all the ladies and um, femme identified folks um, in the area. Everybody kind of got to get their like inner flower child on a little. Um, and uh, yeah, that was that was a really beautiful way to spend the May Day in, uh, in Skid Row. It was really hot, but yeah. <laughs> awesome, thanks for joining us today. With um, with Joanna being a, a first timer guest, we've got to ask um, Maria. Reminded Joanna, do you remember how you got into wrestling? What did that look like? <laughs> yeah, it's a cliche. I got into wrestling uh, because 
you got into wrestling, DQ. Um, <laughs> no, um, I definitely have discovered it uh, through through friends and through my partner, who um, are definitely passionate about it. But I think like. Um, like I grew up with a super feminist mama who was very much like, you are never going to watch that crap. Um, So I like definitely didn't get enough of it in my actual childhood. But now looking at pro wrestling and like particularly, I guess I've mostly been watching like New Japan and AEW. um, It's just like such a beautiful art. And like, I just think there is so much like, camp and creativity and just like I don't know I think it's like very like misunderstood by a large uh amount of the population so yeah that that kind of drew me to it and um I try to stay up on it I haven't been as good um been working full-time so it's a little harder to catch up but um yeah definitely a fan later in life never too late as they say (laughs) Um, so yeah, we, we're, we're happy to have you on, um, especially with our topic, uh, we were going to talk about harm reduction, maybe like the philosophy around harm reduction. I think a lot of people understand it as like helping prevent overdose is like very popular around here. And, um, it kind of gets collapsed into this singular kind of aspect sometimes, but, um, Joanna, would you mind kind of unpacking the term, like what it means like how it manifests in like your work things you do um just anything like that for anyone listening who might be new to the concept yeah absolutely um yeah harm reduction (laughs) there's so many forms of it like a bike helmet a seatbelt a condom those are all forms of harm reduction um usually when we're using that term we're referring to harm reduction for people who use drugs Um, it definitely, that specifically came out of a lot of activism in response to the AIDS crisis, um, in communities that were getting really hit and, uh, like receiving very little to no help. (laughs) Um, and like, uh, I think, you know, we see examples of this in like as far back as like the Black Panthers, um, all these mutual aid projects that were really helping people, um, and protecting people uh, from from risks and harm. So I think like for me, the biggest parts about harm reduction are like, obviously it has to come from people who have lived experience because how are you gonna know how to reduce the harm if you aren't learning? Um, so that part, um, like really meeting people where they're at and um, I've been doing a lot of uh, outreach uh, both in street watch and um in my job um and primarily what we're doing is providing clean supplies for people um like for injecting or for smoking um we provide like safe sex supplies um narcan which is the brand name for naloxone has been like a really amazing Thing. It's a medication that uh, specifically reverses opioid overdose. So um, the product that we're seeing a lot of now is the nasal spray, which has made it a lot more accessible to people. Um, and that's been really beautiful. Actually, one of my friends who's uh, staying in a what they call Project Room Key site, uh, like uh, they opened these hotels and kind of did this half-assed job of trying to house, quote unquote, 
house people uh, during the pandemic, um, it's very hard to uh, find a place in LA, like a shelter or housing site that is harm reduction friendly. And uh, Project Room Key sites are kind of notorious for having very high overdose rates. Um, a friend of mine like snuck some Narcan in because like even that gets you kind of profiled as a drug user, unfortunately. Um, and he saved someone's life with it last night. So that was really cool uh, news to get. Um, but yeah, harm reduction, it's so many things. Um, and it's like always to me like being led and driven and um, just brought like brought to the forefront by the people who are affected the most. And um, yeah, it's it's more important than ever. Uh, I know like during the pandemic, my uh, substance use habits uh, I don't know how to say, like, um, increased. <laughs> um, and so I think, like, for all of us, whether we're on the street or in a house, like, just having access to, uh, like, practices, like, safer use or supplies, um, community health care. Hell yeah. We usually do, like, um, like, links, to for, like, um, any groups uh, are there any groups you want to like shout out that are doing um, work like you're talking about locally that you've hooked up with or anything like that? Yeah. Um, I mean, honestly, like the group that we're both organizing within Streetwatch has been doing a lot of great work um, because we've partnered with um, some amazing harm reduction groups. Uh, the Sidewalk Project is one of our amazing allies. They do a lot of outreach to folks using drugs, sex workers, unhoused folks um, all around LA, but um, primarily in Skid Row. Um, Homeless Healthcare is a really amazing org that's grown a lot in the last couple of years. Um, there are so many, uh, <laughs> so many amazing groups in this city, but um, yeah, I think like there's a lot of beautiful examples to learn from in other in other cities as well. Um, there are like safe use sites that are popping up um, and have been around for a long time. Uh, so like, I don't know. I think I think the grassroots um, groups that are really pushing for those things are are really amazing, and um, we really really need more of those because right now like harm reduction is really being taken up um and institutionalized and so like we see governments saying you know harm reduction and uh like shelters saying that they're harm reduction friendly when they're very much not or um even the cops like to say like use the buzzwords and um you know like we don't need any harm reduction money going to like the sheriffs right so um making sure that our communities are learning about this stuff and that the folks that are interested in public health are able to like actually like think about starting more of these things because we don't need like the sheriffs to run the needle exchange you know <laughs> when those kind of groups get involved it becomes less and less accessible too for the people who actually need it um and i think it goes it, it helps further stigmatize a lot of like the usage of any of these types of things when when the things get placed in the hands of like these other groups that are not grassroots groups or who don't understand what it's like to use any of these things. Yeah, absolutely. 
I think there's like the thing that's really exciting potentially about harm reduction is it it can be like this like grassroots I hate the word grassroots <laughs> it's just like so like what is that but like um I think there's something that's very like mutual aid like gives itself to, like complements harm reduction it feels like some of the wrestling promotions and as always I probably specifically mean WWE uh when they when they go about sort of like put, helping wrestlers go into rehab or providing them with resources, it, it does kind of have that sort of bad charity vibe of like people who are worthy to receive help versus not, and like mm. those kind of like tones to it. Yeah, sure. Like we had talked a bit about so this week on Dynamite, Jeff Hardy um, wrestled in the opener. And that's kind of an example of what Maria was talking about with the crossover, like um, definitely, you know, quote, given a lot of chances, like um, Jeff has struggled with substance uh, addiction, with alcohol and driving, you know, like um, one thing that's always kind of bothered me is like I mentioned this um, earlier to the gang here is like WWE will have this policy where they'll pay for rehab of like former workers but um, they're also very quick to like um, kind of let people go if it looks like a PR nightmare or like you know if it's a, like um, Zach I don't know if you want to speak to it too because you brought up a good point it's very selective like if, it, if it, someone's kind of like a star and it's like, well, maybe this policy needs to be changed a little bit. But like, yeah, what were you saying, Zach? Yeah, I would say like thinking about it, like uh, like ran like is more of the wellness policy. That's like their famous wellness policy, which mm. really started coming in after Benoit. I mean, it was before Benoit, but like it really started to be like implemented after Benoit it became very more restricted, like especially with steroids. But even then, it was like very selective of who, like. Some people weren't getting tested, like, um, or people who like got strikes, like Randy Orton. Like, I think it was a prime example. Like, he's had so many strikes, but they they just arbitrarily say, "Oh, he like the last strike he had like three years ago." So, like, that means that strike is the previous strike is gone. So he still had two strikes or something. It was just like that. Like one of the Usos like struggles with alcoholism. Like he's gone multiple DUIs, and like he just gets a slap on the wrist more more or less um but some wrestlers if they're like a lower card person that like they don't if they see like you're doing something it's like you're not good like you're not a star in their eyes or like yeah they just they'll, they'll cut bait pretty they'll throw you under the bus and cut bait <laughs> yeah, it definitely feels like it mirrors society like Oftentimes, like because these these radical groups crop up, is because people are being left behind or like not covered and deemed. You know, there's so much like means testing to even qualify after the, the less like sweet spot of like being oppressed. But like, um, also, what kind of oppression? You know, like have, has this happened? And all these intrusive questions that usually get people to qualify for these programs that often fall short anyway but yeah there's a there's a mix and match and pick and choose uh what else are you gonna um say zach like pivot from day i think like some people like i mean 
another person I can think of with Freehab has been like really well known as like DDP, what he does with his, uh, he does it mostly for his friends or people he's known for the years, but it feels kind of ex like, I don't want to say exploitive because I feel like he does like it. I think he genuinely does like what he did for Scott Hall and Jake the Snake was like have one to help his friends or people he's known for a long time. But there's also like that thing, like it feels like they would do videos. I just felt like very much, oh, he also wants to like show how good his yoga is and how it can <laughs> transfer your life and make you uh, like get above the thing. So it's always kind of felt icky to me a little bit, especially like yeah, as the years have gone on and like yeah, I just like it's it just seems scuzzy sometimes. Like it just <laughs> that that was kind of it. Like yeah, I think with anyone with like a brand to build, like you know, it immediately becomes like commercial, and then there's like kind of like some something to like some something to like save for him or like something he's got to reconcile with like the well-being of people but yeah I, there's got to be some heart in ddp you know like he definitely hangs in there and like takes people when they're not you know probably been written off by a lot of others in their lives but yeah he had the ddp yoga brand to also push and all of that but right on that he took friends like struggling with addiction and so a few weeks too, CB had mentioned, and by the way, CB, sorry, uh, Creative didn't have anything for you this week along with Austin. They wrote you out of the damn show again. But CB had mentioned, um, we were talking about um, Tammy Sitch, um, who performed as Sunny for most of her career, and, and at least in WWE, um, who... Uh, was driving under the influence of maybe about a month ago now the other driver was killed in the crash um tammy had i think partaken in the wwe um like rehab offer but eventually they opted not to continue because she had badmouthed uh the program and being that she had gotten kind of like in these situations over and over it it was indicative of like not only the program not working but like you know so, something wasn't working and now she has like this death on her hands um so yeah i just i don't know i i don't i don't think i just thought that that something that's being left out in that story um at least the way it's been presented lately is the wwe choosing to withdraw that care offer because she was you know she was in a place where she didn't feel like it was working and like voiced that which if you're gonna offer it offer it you know like it's the wwe themselves aren't running it and it's kind of feels incumbent on them to check it out if someone who's gone through it is saying you know like this thing could be better it's not to take the care away from sunny or tammy you know like but to actually like respond to those calls like we said at the top who informs these programs it's the people who who probably need the help right like so i don't know that that was another thing kind of floating around in the the wrestling zeitgeist um maria yeah i know paul london had said kind of like the same thing when uh, like a similar comment about like how the WWE rehab kind of program works where it's like 
it doesn't really feel like rehab or any type of care. It's just like an, like a PR attempt and they're not actually being addressed in any way that is actually useful for somebody who might be using drugs and trying to quit or anything like that. They're not addressing the reasons or like the psychiatric reasons or anything like that that they might be using or the stress that they're under. They're just like, stop using it sounds like rather than actually like dealing with any of the issues and caring about any of the wrestlers in a meaningful way and trying to like help them figure out what their path is. That's so relatable and it's so wild to me because like this is where like professional wrestlers are at um, in terms of like inadequate uh, treatment, mental health care. Like it's like I'm seeing it on the ground for like houseless folks, you know, and it's like it's bad across the spectrum. And like, I think, I mean, it does definitely like remind me of the like inequities in care and like, you know, the friends I have with privilege who are able to access a different rehab or, you know, a different place that is more like trauma informed or works for them more. Whereas like my friends with less means are definitely, um, you know, still struggling or, it's harder. Um, I think something you mentioned, Zach, that was really kind of interested in me was um, Jeff Hardy is like kind of been this like he's known for it, for it, right? Like he's like they're like oh this he repeat offended or in WWE or whatever like enough times, and it just like really that like mindset about people really reminds me of like how. Um, there's like this this uh, myth of like service resistance in um, a homeless sector where they're like, yeah, you know, we tried that person, yeah, we got them into the shelter and then they just left, you know? It's like, wow, or like, you know, we got them a bed at that treatment center. Why didn't it work out? Like, it must be the individual's problem and not the problems of the society, right? And like, mm-hmm. yeah, like that kind of, in the ER, they call people like, who, you know, OD, uh, more than more than once, like frequent flyers, you know, like these really rude, kind of disrespectful ways to talk about what's, you know, honestly like a failure of the system and not the individual. But like, it's like, I think someone said it's like the system gets defensive instead of asking the people with lived experience how it can change, you know. Um, but yeah, just that that thing, like I think. I feel like WWE probably has that mentality of like, you know, wow, well, we tried, you know. (laughs) Yeah, it's like we checked the boxes on the form. Sorry, you froze up and I thought you were done. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, it's like they have the form. We we checked the boxes. It's all good. Yeah. Exactly. Um, But I mean, yeah, I feel like watching Jeff get better, hopefully, has been really nice to see and seeing like sting being able to like accept that and see it with like empathetic eyes kind of or like i mean i don't know i mean that's how i'm how i'm reading it at least i'm sure some of this is story and things like that but it's nice to be able to see that space um and i wish that for other wrestlers too i wonder like yeah, I really wonder about people's perceptions, like, in the wrestling communities or wrestlers themselves, like, because, like, I think for me, like, it took me a while to get to the point where it's, like, it's it's not about the drugs, right? It's about, like, 
what we're trying to heal or you know how the system is like presenting itself to us um and i think like you know for a long time it's like oh fuck heroin right like fuck that fuck those drugs those are bad like <laughs> but in fact it's it's like you can definitely function there are plenty of folks the majority of folks who use heroin are functioning individuals right like there's like a difference between addiction and and use right going back to jeff hardy like showing how hollow data like when jeff was about leaving like he walked off a show in WWE recently and like the first thing WWE tried to do was like try to force him to go to rehab because they thought he was like relapsing or something. They just assumed that was the reason, not that he was just sick of WWE and like I just don't wanna be here anymore. <laughs> mm. um, it's like interesting like thinking like with his history, like I think Ray brought up the stuff as thing. Like it was nice knowing that like when I first met that, I thought it was like one of those things where he did that and like they hated each other for a year, but apparently it wasn't that long that they like reconciled, which was good. Like it's, I think it reflects well on Sting to like know that he was on the right side of the mind. And like, it's not like Sting did anything wrong in that match. He like ended the match like, cause he was, Jeff was clearly not fit to wrestle. He sh like, they needed to like shoot, like pin him cause he was just like for safety reasons. Like, um, <laughs> I think, like, the contrast with AEW a little bit, because, like, we had John Moxley take months off to deal with his mental health issues and, like, addiction problems. Like, I think he was having... I think he has alcoholism. Like, I mm. think that was what he was trying to deal with. And, like, it was good, like, that, like, AEW provided. It seems like it's a much healthier way of, like, actually having access, giving access and not, like, punishing you for... Sometimes, like, they will punish you for, like, getting help and, like, put your shoe down in the car. It's like, oh, you missed this, so you missed out on your shot. Like, John Moxley comes back and it's, like, treated like a big deal. It's not like he lost any spot on his card. I was I was thinking about that, too, because it was really, it was nice to hear him get on the mic when he came back. Um, and I wonder, like, have other wrestlers had that opportunity, like, in AEW or other promotions, like, to be like somewhat honest about their struggles AEW is such a young company like i haven't seen it like it was so refreshing though like you're bo both of you are saying like the honesty um they it gave fans an opportunity to like reach out you know and like show support for him while he was going through it like it just like it felt like right and like not only yeah he came back they platformed him you know, like the fans turned on the one angry fan who like talks shit from the crowd, you know, like get this drunk guy out or whatever. It's just like, no, you get the fuck out. But like, yeah, he boomeranged back and like, I feel like now he's, he's as big as he ever was or as popular. Like in WWE, which is like our go-to, like, uh, <laughs> when we want to give a bad example, like, but like, they've given it to us like the, the i mean wcw did this too with scott hall WWE with jake the snake um with cm punk like they'll incorporate alcohol in the storylines in a way that's just like like the person is the the person who struggled with like um alcohol addiction let's say is just like still going through it and they're stumbling in the ring and like jake jake couldn't you know like 
Stone Cold, uh, when he beat him at the King of the Ring in 97, like, and became like this Austin 316, it was on the back of like really talking shit on Jake for being like a drunkard, you know, and like, look how pathetic you are, you're clinging to a Bible now. And like, it was, it was edgy, but it was also punching down on someone who was struggling and aging. There was just a lot of, and like, no wonder, right? Like the um, attitude era just had so much to do with like, not giving a shit. <laughs> like there's so much like, just like dystopian kind of like, um, lack of like moral, you know, not to sound like a goodie, but like, it was kind of built on the backs of this, like just talking shit and not giving, giving a shit. But when they would incorporate it in like Scott Hall and WCW probably around the same time, maybe a year or two later was, was legit going through these problems. He's one of the people Jake or uh, like um, Zach was saying, DDP did help out, but he was stumbling around the ring, slurring his, his promos you know, and then they like legit, like, I think fired him in the middle of this too. So it was just, it's so exploitative and so disrespectful to themselves and to like Scott or Jake himself. And like, I mean, at that point, like, I, I feel like AEW has enshrined this example for us. Like, do, do not like bring this into the story. Like imagine like WWE Moxley would have been like, you know, there'd be like some like wetness on the front of his shirt and he'd be doing a promo, blah, blah, you know, and like lose it or something. But instead you gave the fans a sweet opportunity to reach out and support in the meantime. Other wrestlers like Bully Ray, who talked shit on it, like was pretty much dismissed by fans and by Renee, John's wife, you know, for like talking shit on this dude for like mm. going through this stuff. So traditionally i there, there there probably are times in the past that probably didn't have to do with wwe but like if anything yeah like people are discarded or it's just like oh you had you're in jail or like you had a drug addiction oh that's your character now and it's like yeah animals like yeah mm. i feel like one way they have talked about alcoholism too in AEW has been with hangman page's story too right um I don't know if they like yeah. specifically ever mm. like called him an alcoholic, but like cert- like drinking has definitely been part of his storyline before and part of like him turning to that around anxiety and stuff like that, which I think is at least a little bit more thought out. Um, yeah, it was definitely more of like a narrative tool <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, in a way that I, I don't think was like as offensive as I've seen in WWE. Yeah, if anything, it just showed like a coping mechanism, maybe, yeah. maybe not our like healthiest choice, but like also a very real one. A lot of us make is like, totally. I'm having issues with people. I'm close to my life. I'm gonna fucking drink tonight. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> whether we were ready for it or not. Um, <laughs> did you all want to talk about what we liked and didn't like on this uh, week's show? Yeah, I mean. going off of that like i I did think i mean i am liking where how hangman's character is moving forward right now after being like um i don't know yeah i feel like he's going good places right now so i liked him on the mic last night i'm excited for 
Hangman versus CM Punk, I feel like either one who wins I will be happy with in a different way. So that's a really nice feeling for that card. I was going to say, they like amped it up and he's like, I'm going to humiliate you or whatever. <laughs> like, it was, yeah, it was a nice like change out of nowhere. The Wardlow moment of independence. Um, I think in the spirit of uh, Workers of the World Unite, Wardlow's like <laughs> casting off his boss and uh <laughs> saying f you <laughs> to this meaningless contract no i mean obviously he's down to sign another contract we'll see how that goes but it was very um cathartic to see him just like kick those handcuffs off the ring you know <laughs> i could tell like the dante martin ray phoenix match looked aces um mm-hmm. Really good. I saw some of the spots. I saw like the Spanish fly stand up spot. The uh, mm. that led to a poised Rana immediately. And um, I thought it's like I did see the Wardlow segment. The match I saw the full match gone like because they put on AEW the YouTube. And it, was, it was nice seeing Big Cass who uh, has also gone through some <laughs> problems like with uh, alcohol, like abuse, like a substance abuse. And like it seems like he's turned his life for the better. Like, he's like was down like before he got fired by WWE, like he just like seemed to turn around and impact right now. He took a hell of a power bomb. That was a really impressive power bomb. <laughs> like takes two to tango on a spot like that. <laughs> yeah, they said it was Wardlow's biggest opponent. He got him up there. Like yeah. uh like you said though, Zach, that was probably the thing I liked most of them Phoenix returning uh, his first match back. Um there's just like I think like one of the things is like a fan like you get like the storytelling and like the cool matches and whatever some people are good on promos but there's also something very thrilling when like there's someone in there who's like very restless in terms of like wanting to make up like new moves and like very innovative stuff and it's it's like a thrill to see something you haven't seen before when it looks very like it takes two to tango so like like you said zach the finisher in this phoenix match with dante martin it climaxed with this fucked up like tombstone basically phoenix had yeah yeah it was just like oh my god this thing could have like the 99% of ways that it could have gone wrong, the 1%, he nailed it. And it, it was, it, it's, it's just, it's cool. Like, aside from all the other thrills of watching wrestling, like Phoenix and his brother Penta, both are just like so cool at making up like very fun shit to watch. Um, that was one thing I really loved. I would say like, it's nice seeing story progression. I mean, it's both a good and knock on AEW, like, that they drag like if something happens like ray phoenix getting injured i think pushed back so much story progression like julia hart that whole storyline i think they're waiting for phoenix to get back so they can like find a way to weave that storyline together but it's nice that they're finally like getting to like the dark julia hart with her eye being fucked up from evil black mist stuff and like (laughs) yeah it's just like it's like a blessing and a curse of AEW. Like I respect them like having long term plans, but sometimes they they need more flexibility and being able to like say, okay, we're not gonna be able to do this. We can't like 
drag it. Like, can't just drag, put things in spin wheels for a long time on TV feuds just because something a, a wrench got thrown in it. Um, negative I heard because I didn't watch the show was uh, the Rosa uh, Thunder Rosa uh, Serena D promo. Like, apparently, I heard it was kind of like a dud because Thunder Rosa, like, from my understanding, is never a good live promo. Mm. Like, they should definitely let, I mean, one thing they need to do is, like, they should let, like, people who are non-native, like, English speakers be able to, like, speak in their language and, like, put subtitles on it. Like, that's... Yeah, I didn't, I didn't like that promo either, but I, and I might've just missed this, uh, cause I missed a couple of shows, but I did like, uh, I like how Jade's baddie section of the audience is now becoming like the baddie stable basically. Um, mm-hmm. and I like the opportunity that has for like more women wrestling being just like really awesome people in the ring and having more, more stuff coming out of that. Yeah. That was going to, that was going to be something too, that I really liked. Uh, that I was going to note was the just the women's emergence hopefully and I think it, probably the best thing for this division might have been Becky Lynch talking shit last week <laughs> so Becky Lynch from WWE had mentioned something and it might have been on Twitter it probably was about just this AEW division not being close and not being uh, better and I don't know if this was the plan to put the Mercedes Deanna um, match as the main event like, I feel like they kind of set them up to fail because Deanna had never been on AEW TV. But they also did it. And we had that really, you know, this is a good match. Um, the crowd, I think, struggled to connect with it sometimes. But they need to sign Deanna if they're, if they're serious about, like, making it compete with WWE or just be as good as it can be on its own. Like, Deanna's an upgrade. The Rosa and um, Serena Deeb... It, it was kind of rough, but also like I respect that they that the they gave them the space to like just like uh, amp that up. However, you know, like I hope there's people back there down to like help them out and develop it if they want it. Um, but I, I I like respected that they gave them the time to go out there and get in each other's face, and you could tell they were kind of c- catching. Is that, is that the phrase like catching their feet or whatever? you know like kind of like figuring it out um so hopefully they keep doing that because i agree this is a little rough and like they didn't get get the goods all t- all together but like yeah i mean hopefully this becky comment just like amps it up um real quick to the while i'm on it the the thing that i didn't really like this week also had to do with um the women's division and it had to do with jr um our buddy and his commentating um there was a, a at the start of the main event the first one of the first things he knows is ah oh, look at these different body styles and he like can't help himself like he didn't mention all night like oh look at cm punk with his body style you know there's none of that like but as soon as two women step into the ring um especially not with like the Barbie doll, like WWE thing he's used to. He's just like, wow. And he even called them. Deanna had a clothesline ready body, which obviously like you kind of get what it 
what he means like some people can just throw like a better clothesline depending on like just like whatever physical like whatever their physical appearance is you know but I just don't know what he's thinking when he says shit like this like he can't get his mind out of there and if they want this division to really pop off like maybe have like a female commentator like why why is JR in there being like wow what's this body look like and what's that but yeah that it wasn't you know he wasn't like he called the match and everything but he just like can't help himself and it's can anyone talk to JR what do you think Zach yeah get a spray bottle for JR (laughs) 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 yeah yeah I agree with like the women's division. I mean, they they're they're booking more women. Like Rampage has a Riho and uh, what's her name? She's been oh, I feel bad. She's the one that's like the genie from Japan, also the Joshi from Japan. That's Yuka. Yeah, Yuka. Yeah, yeah. That's like they're doing like Owen Hart qualifier between those two on Rampage. Oh, Yuka Sakazaki, yeah. Yeah, so that's mm-hmm. good, fun to watch, hopefully. Um, yeah, like, the women's division, like, I think... I'm hoping, it, like, it builds up. It's, like, one of those things where it's just, like, they need to get more talent to, like, really, like... Right, they need to, like, present it better, present it more often. It's good that they put, like, the main event, which I think is also just because, like, Tony Khan loves ROH... And also, it's like a title match, and a title match like that should be like the main event. Though, unfortunately, the crowds seem to have it. Um, I also wanted to bring up with Diana. Like, unfortunately, she has one year left on her Impact contract, so. Oh, so she can't. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's like why they had the big cast in, because it's like a. They were able to get Diana, but they also had to like book big cast for some reason, I guess. Maybe we <laughs> gotta do that, but um, that's speculation on my part. I, I forgot to mention too, I think Becky being that like kind of like having that amount of bias in her head without realizing and being kind of the cor- one of the corporate kind of puppets now for WWE, I'll go ahead and award her as being part of the weekly uh, WWE death nail of the week because when you have like a star that big Seth Rollins has done it too. It's kind of a similar male counterpart, big star, where they just like can kind of can't help themselves. Um, talking about competition, it exposes, I think, maybe how worried people are, insecure. Um, yeah, it's probably best to just like your biggest talent not worry about what other people are doing or like talk shit about them. So WWE, we send the further toward, um, what is it, Hades, I guess, um, when your stars can't keep their mouths shut uh, about other stars for no reason, no reason to talk shit like that. I'd say, like, it's, like, it doesn't matter, like, how much you talk shit, Vince doesn't like you, Vince doesn't like you, it's like, you can't, like, he's one of those people, like, you think you can kiss his ass, but he won't, like, (laughs) you can't suck up to that guy, like, he will not caring it's like there's guys who are like on the roster to just get fired for no reason not like they recently just let go a bunch of people mm-hmm. which is unfortunate 
I don't know if it's decline because they're all getting so rich at the top, you know, but there's no business under it. How long? Yeah, these billionaires just like found out a way to like get rich and like really not need workers. Just a TV deal. Yeah, it's all fake. <laughs> it's, all more fake. Than, it's more fake than wrestling, to be honest. But it's still real to us, man. Yeah. yeah. I mean, talk about addiction, right? Like... <laughs> He's so deeply addicted to making money and keeping that business, you know, just it's like I was thinking about Trump earlier and you're talking about alcoholism because I remember like, uh, was it? I think it was his, his younger brother, his older brother, one of the Trump brothers, <laughs> the fail son, according to, to Donald, um, was like really struggling with alcoholism and I'm, I'm pretty sure... Uh, Donald Trump cut him out of the will. He, like, convinced their dad to, like, cut him out of the will and stuff. Jesus. You know? And it's, like, the way he talks about that brother and, like, there's just, like, this... I don't know. There's such a weird, like, this dichotomy of, like, sober versus addicted or clean versus dirty. I don't know what the opposite of clean is i think that term is so problematic um but it's like you know vince mcmahon may not be exhibiting uh you know the physical uh signs or symptoms of a substance addiction but like the way that he's running that company and the, the way that like someone like that just like so completely dehumanizing to people around him it's like that's that's an addiction like i always think of like the one story with vince or he's like in an interview and like he says his favorite thing is to do is like he's around a pool and he's at a party he loves like the greatest feeling is like to push a person into the pool when you're not expecting it oh they're just wearing it. it's just the face they make just as they realize oh, i'm gonna get wet like it's just like it's like the funniest thing to him and it's like it's real <laughs> like sociopath like the guy has like steroid like abuse is like one is like chief among the abuses that i would say vince probably has uh mm -hmm. and like who knows how long that guy will live he's like kissinger a little bit because like his mom just recently passed he was like over 100 years old so like who knows how long vince will last <laughs> he doesn't look good like right now like not to be me like he looks like he's aged due to like the years being rough on him yeah the the addiction to the business i think is a good point um a lot of people talk about you know this work work ethic he's got he wakes up before everyone and he goes to sleep later and he stays at the venue and it's like that's not cool like especially like you know if like you have like a family or people close you know like those people probably want to see you mm -hmm. like you might want to see them you might want to like like there was some anecdote that he didn't even know like what a burrito was called he's like i want one of those wrap like sandwiches and the bigger thing and it's like i don't know if that's true but like just how out of touch like he's so in his bubble it's like, I feel like the steroid use is so interesting in wrestling because I think there's like, correct me if I'm wrong, but there's like, there's like a point where it goes from like, 
it's acceptable or like it's just something no one talks about to like when it's like someone becomes like violent or dangerous is when they start using like the bad drugs or like you know if we're using war on drugs terminology like quote hard drugs right like I don't know if that's true but I feel like there is that like little little war on drugs racism in there where it's like the really scary stuff is the stuff that we are, you know, associating with uh, Black, Latinx uh, communities, uh, <laughs> um, or like, yeah, I don't know. I'm curious about that. If y'all have any more like insight on the steroid stuff, because I think that's a really interesting one. And it's like, I don't know, from like a drug user perspective, I'm like, yeah. I always feel like that one's like kind of like in the alcohol class where it's like you could do really bad shit to your body with this but like people aren't gonna like put you on the chopping block as fast as if you were like you know hitting the pookie or whatever yeah I think like just look at Hollywood with actors like really famous actors like it's like how they cycle stuff it's like they like a lot of like action stars especially like they just all take steroids and they're kind of rewarded for it and like everyone gives a fly uh gives a blind eye to it it's the same thing with wrestling i feel like until like it became like a thing with benoit i mean that's the reason why benoit they really started put, trying to do stuff when benoit happened where they like because everyone at that time thought it was steroids that was the big thing with it, it was like oh he had roid rage and that's why he killed his family and himself not the cte <laughs> Um, which shows you, like, how things have changed since then, but, like, I remember that being a big part of the abuse. Wow, yeah, that's so interesting. That's, that's really interesting to hear, because, yeah, then it's, like, again, like, the drugs get blamed instead of, like, the system or the society that has put this person in a place where he is, like, set up potentially to fail or to explode. Mm. Um, yeah, that's... That's such an interesting thing. That reminds me of like this just like, I don't know, I think there's a lot of push for people to talk about addiction as like a brain disease. And like, you know, it, it, I think people think that it like helps to destigmatize it if we just make it like, oh, it's just like diabetes, you know? Um, But it's like, from my experience at least, like I think addiction is way more about like, uh, like, uh, way deeper shit than that that is like so much more connected to your exter- externalities and like where you've been brought up and your socioeconomic position your you know so many things <laughs> obviously race is a huge factor in that um, but like I think it does a huge disservice to like those things when it yeah like does get kind of reduced in that way oh there's a roid rage or like you know um yeah all the ways that we've associated like violence or or like scary behavior with like a substance um i think like can sometimes negate like all these other extenuating circumstances that don't get talked about as much as these kind of sensational you know everyone loves to talk about drugs as these scary things right like we see it with fentanyl every day in the news there's like a new lie or weird thing that's like 
why are we, why is this helpful for anyone to know that, uh, you know, there's enough fentanyl to kill everyone in the United States? And like, you know, whatever. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I feel like, yeah, the, the association with like substance being the problem and not like the trauma and the like exploitation and the, the positions in society that folks are put in. <laughs> Truly, in, in WWE's case, um, it was Vince who put a lot of his workers um, in the position um, throughout the 80s and into the 90s especially. There was like an early case or a case in the early 90s where this Dr. Zahorian, I think his name was, like took the fall for Vince like orchestrating like distribution to go from this doctor who would like bring it was it was kind of like described as like a briefcase full of candy and would give like pills or any kind of like things like people needed and like the prescription is like you know like way more than like anybody would need but they you know they got so they got like um I guess they just had like access to this doctor that that Vince it wasn't proven in court but that Vince had kind of like um, orchestrated as like a go-to person and then Vince got himself off there is um is a Jerry McDevitt I think his lawyer he took this huge hit for this shit but a lot of people were on this because who are the champions like through the Hogan era you know like who were the people that like were the big stars? They all were juiced and had these like physiques that didn't look like um, what a what a human body normally can do. I was just gonna say that could be a whole episode on itself talking about the steroids trial. I mean, there was this yeah uh, Dark Side of the Ring that was on, which unfortunately Dark Side did not get renewed for a fourth season of Vice. Uh, Aww. Yeah. I'm hopefully they'll find I think a lot of it happened is like a lot of those old wrestlers realize oh I can't do interviews now because I saw premiere <laughs> yeah and how like like they don't want to get like screwed like I was also gonna bring the funny thing is about that trial still like Vince wearing a like a fucking neck brace oh. to make him more sympathetic that nice. and also that's where Dave Meltzer shows that's like where like you see Dave Meltzer and Vince interact because Dave Meltzer was the person who spoke at the uh thanks to joanna for doing a run-in on today's show um before we go um zach had helped us elicit some um getting some donations over to our pals at the national network of abortion funds and lo and behold we've got some shout outs zach yeah it's great uh we'd love to shout out like uh, enjoy wrestling for i mean we sponsored them so they sponsored us a little bit and the timing came perfect um, hell yeah yeah they're really cool and I'm glad like guys like Lee Moriarty and Speedball Mike Bailey were like retweeting what they tweeted which is good um, yeah we got um, $50.50 from Anonymous who just sent the comment fucking hell which was three <laughs> days ago which is very appropriate in response to that and then uh, Joan John Welsh donated $101. Really big donation there. John, and it hasn't yeah, come in yet. Yeah. Um, the May Day picnic, we raised... Um, I told the person, like, we were just doing cash donations. And I said, like, yeah, just take that money. 
and demo it to my uh, team since I organized this payday picnic. Um, mm-hmm. That was probably $135. I think that's what they counted. It might be more, it might be a little less, but it was over $100, which is nice. Good work. Um, so thanks to all those people who were at the Mayday picnic that donated. I um, also want to give a shout out because they asked me to. <laughs> and partially, my friend, uh, one of my comrades at the Mayday picnic, Alexandra Falk, uh, she just said, can you guys get a shout out? And I was like, sure. The only reason I'll just get a shout out. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's all the people I have right now. And if you, we'll put, we'll put the, uh, we always put like the fundraiser link on the, uh, the show note, like the, whatever we post this show on Airbnb, Patreon, the, uh, podcast website, Twitter. Um, hopefully people, more people will donate. We're at, as a total, our the Pittsburgh DSA team is at eight thousand two hundred ninety-four. We're going to reach, our, hopefully, reach our ten thousand dollar goal by the end of the month when this fun the fun ends. I'll say Western PA Fund for Choice is at thirty-three thousand, which they have they have they have had to raise it a couple of times. So like their goal now is forty-five thousand. So people give their donations, and if you know, in Pittsburgh, uh, look for your local, like, uh, NAF. Um, get your local chapter, wherever or you are, like, get involved in these, like, things. It's pretty simple to do. It's a fun time to come up with ideas. I'm doing a trivia night a couple weeks from now. And now I'll also go with my, the proletariat lariat, hopefully. Um, yeah, I think that's all I have for shoutouts. We might have to rename you from the Iceman to the Banker. <laughs> oh man, that's kind of shitty to do a leftist though. No one, no leftist wants to be a banker. Yeah, I regretted it after I said it. There's got to be a better. <laughs> you call me a capitalist. The collector. <laughs> yeah. The collectivist. Oh, that's, that's well, ice. Ice is kind of like a synonym for. Um, money so we'll just keep it at Iceman maybe yeah. <laughs> well there's another circle. ice I don't want to be I want to be associated with the other ice you know <laughs> oh yeah well we just want to put the periods <laughs> between ice and <laughs> or just I'm, the periods I'm just, I'm just busting you <laughs> I know we'll keep it at Iceman but maybe yeah. with a Y Y C E Ice <laughs> I don't know yeah, yeah. Uh, well, but, thank thank you for facilitating that, uh, Zach, and getting funds to our pals at the National Network of Abortion Funds. And thanks everyone who um, had uh, donated. You can go to our, I think our Patreon or like on our social media um, and donate there and we'll enshrine your name in the podcast history on our next ep. Mm-hmm. So yeah, thanks, uh, thanks everyone for checking out our our ba- our no not our baker's dozen that's next week, our dozenth episode on harm reduction. Joanna, thank you. Thanks y'all for having me. <laughs> right on. Yeah, thanks um, for being here. <laughs> yes, thank you. Um, and then I I think we're all we're not gonna take a break, right? We're all going into the back to talk to creative to figure out what we can do for Austin and CB next week. Because this is getting mm-hmm. out of hand. Yeah. But yeah. I already have a prediction for next week with little teasers. Like hopefully like hopefully my, my guest will be able to show up it's like we're gonna talk about like hopefully intergender wrestling and discourse with that. 
talk about enjoy wrestling since a bunch of their shows involve intergender wrestling. We've both been at those shows. So that's a little teaser for hopefully what will be next week's episode. The Baker's Dozen episode. <laughs> Thank you, Zach. Yeah, so look look forward to that. Um, I don't know why I said, but I'll say join your local tenants union <laughs> and fight like hell. We'll see you all in the Still streets. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Free them all. See ya.